0: dear ones you're listening to the what god is not podcast with father michael o'laughlin and mother natalia glory to jesus christ
1: glory to him forever
0: you can go ahead and answer andrew Wheely. oh glory to him forever <laughs> i didn't know if i was supposed to i Wait, know i, I can I've i talk before, before
2: i can i even can i pray before i've been introduced to him
0: yeah, no, we, we we prayed together, but yeah. So Andrew Whaley's here. You've probably heard Sister mention him a lot of times because she um, loves him immensely.
1: And now they will hear sorry, mother, mother mention him
0: sorry Mother, mother. mother.
1: I, no, I feel like when you said it that time, it was it was accurate because right. they did hear Sister Natalia talk about him many times.
0: There we go. We're now we get to hear Mother and Natalia talk yeah. to me. So. Yeah. Mother Natalia, are we switching over our, our email address now?
1: Well, you just said it, so right.
0: so I didn't say what the email address was. So I don't, um, I don't
1: remember. It's been so long since we set it up. You had such, you had such confidence in in God's will that you set it
0: up like so long ago. But I don't remember what is the. So what is our current email address?
1: I don't remember the domain.
0: Okay, that, I'm not either. So anyway, we we'll will we'll announce it soon. But it's it's we well, this we, is we a just, crack unit here. I mean, we decided this. Is this. So awkward. I think it's at what God is not pot or W G I N podcast. Anyway, um, don't don't email us. Um, until, <laughs> until we share what the real email address is, continue to email us at the old email address, whatever it is.: um, <laughs> the, system, the old mother,
1: email address is. is what God is not podcast at gmail.com.
0: Okay, so we, we actually have a, oh I see well yeah, we can't use it because we, ha- we don't have our domain up anyway. We're going to switch it to mother and father at whatever the domain is. Um, yeah. Because well, we've That's had this cute. forever. We've had this and for I'll like, be like coffee a at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you'll find out why that's funny and appropriate in a second when we introduce Andrew Whaley. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, I was like, we we've had this mother and father idea from long before you were mother. And, uh, and yeah, so now we can actually use it because I think there's something, there's something so appropriate about having a mother and a father on the podcast. And so mother and sister, father and sister,
2: <laughs> father and sister, you should do mom and mom at
0: and dad at mom and dad the problem is that the dad would never get answered like oh. i i would not I would <laughs> not respond a to, yeah. to a single email because because <laughs> mother natalia is the only one who responds to emails unless she puts my name on it and she sends me a little note that says says hey um, you know you have these emails and you're at the airport right now you should do them now and i'm like okay fine mom oh i guess i guess she is mom so <laughs> and <laughs> then, actually, then i get that was
1: actually your response last time
0: it was, and then I was like, "Oh!" And I get back to people. What did she say? I said, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to be at the airport for the next few hours." I'm like trying to be all jolly. like, "Oh, sister, looking forward to see you." I got to wait at the airport. I'll see you soon. And she's like, "Then do those emails while you're there. You're gonna, you're gonna have time." I'm like, "Whoa, okay, okay." Yeah, that's more like, you like the actual. Sound inter- like a
1: dude. <laughs>
2: It's like the interaction between a, an actual mom and dad. Because sure. if, if she was your mom, she'd be like, hey, bud, what could you do with this time?
0: Yeah, exactly. Any,
2: is there anything that you need to be doing that you could do right now? I don't know.
0: That's definitely not what she did. She said, while you're at the airport, return what God does not emails. That's not, Like That was the text. Yeah. It was that blunt. And, then, and I'm like and waiting then in line. Got,
1: and then And then when you got here and we had dinner, um, I was like Father Michael, the emails, and you were like, "I did, I answered them." And I was like, "You didn't answer all of them," and and you were like, "I did, I answered all of them." And I said, "No, there's one more." And you looked back, and, and you were like, "How did I miss it?" And I was like, "Because it's from like two months ago. That's how you missed it. <laughs> you have to scroll way back in the email."
0: Anyways. Oh, one of these you days up, I'm gonna get.
1: Me. I know,
0: I know. One of these days I'm gonna actually like get. I'm gonna take a um, a retreat like a week retreat and only do emails like a staycation that's not a
1: retreat I
0: know okay a, a week staycation don't call it that. okay and just do
2: emails I feel like the kid that's in the middle of their mom and dad fighting <laughs> you know
0: and I don't want to pick sides but I'm really comfortable with the situation hey who impacts your life more Andrew Whaley is it mother Natalia on that's the other side of the country fair. or is it me who you you live in my house
1: don't do that to him <laughs> don't
2: do that well you're such
0: a. I mom. mean you impact me more but I think she might love me more I
2: mean
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't argue with that not because I don't love you but because the the exponential love that she has for you is uh, I know it's uh,
2: kind of weird I mean it's kind of like I'm confused by it I'm like it's because she doesn't know me very well that's what it is the more she no, that's to, not to, true. the more it's she gets because, to know me
1: no it's because I know your heart um and in ways that you don't even probably acknowledge about yourself
2: well good good then maybe you can uh you can enlighten me <laughs> it's like well i'm like oh gosh she knows my heart and wow that, that that's worse than i thought it was all right <laughs> so um hey i'm taking part in banter on the what god is not podcast. Oh, yeah. how exciting
1: uh, is that long time listener excited.
2: well kind of
1: Yeah, probably not. Every once
2: in a while, listener. (laughs) Me and Father Michael are both. I do, yeah. Me and Father Michael are both the the people that do podcasts. Which I I I don't currently have a podcast, but I'm launching a new one. But I did one for a long time, and I don't really listen to podcasts. So I listen to your sometimes.
1: Yeah, I get
2: it. Yeah, but I'm okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start listening more. Let me. I'll say that more.
1: I mean, you don't have to. There's no obligation.
2: No. <laughs> you love me, uh, so I need to listen. <laughs>
1: um, Father Michael.
0: Yes, Mother Natalia.
1: Why don't you... Oh, that sounds really nice.
0: Oh, I believe. Why, I agree.
1: Why don't you um, introduce Andrew Whaley, even though people have heard him mentioned many times.
0: So this is Andrew Whaley, the voice you've been hearing. Um, I think I've known him... As long, if not longer, than I've known Mother Natalia. When did we meet, Andrew Whaley? Oh man, it would have
2: been. I moved to Denver in 2012, and we met
0: oh. pretty shortly after that. Then I've known. Then I've known Mother Natalia for longer, yeah. but I don't. But um. But anyway, so I met Andrew Whaley because uh, he was running a coffee shop at the Augusta Institute. Which many of you guys have maybe heard of. So Toleleje is the coffee shop in the same building as Augustine Institute. I met him there. Then we started doing this thing. I don't even know how would you probably remember this better than I do, Andrew Whaley, but um, but the uh, we started doing this thing where we'd meet for coffee on Friday mornings and we discuss like our dreams for how how can we use coffee, which is Andrew's passion, and just hospitality and community, which is both of our passion. And um how can we use that to to affect kind of the Catholic subculture and and evangelization in the world and getting Catholics to be more um, evangelistic and outward facing and missional? And how can we use it to to draw in non Catholics, especially the crazy ones that Andrew Whaley has a great affinity for? Um, and so do I. And so uh, we began doing that, and then usually become friends. Use the jelly, and, and was it? And I remember the couple times at Aviano as well. I think oh, I think that was right, one yeah. of the yeah. one of the times I remember most was at Aviano in Denver, and then the jelly, which is a little cafe in Denver. Um, anyway, so we we've always just kind of been been friends about what what he loves, and I'm going to let him share all of that in a moment. Um, yeah, but uh, but he he is able to. Uh, Andrew has taken a lot of what others have said and reoriented it. Um, along with his own thought and vision and dreams uh, to be something that I think the church in this day and age needs to hear and, and, and what we need to do to be a more effective church when it comes to being attractive to people that are not currently in the church and also adapting ourselves to to see them as beloved and as desiring to welcome them into something that we see so beautiful, um, so I, I'd, I'd actually, I'd, I guess, I guess we should just let Andrew Whaley explain explain his vision. So Whaley, if you were going to give a, if you were going to give a three minute elevator pitch about about what your apostleship is and your charism, what would that be?
1: Can I ask a question I, first? Yeah, go ahead. Um, because I didn't realize. Uh, I didn't realize how y'all met like through the coffee shop at Augustine Institute. So Andrew, did you know, do you know John Irvin?
2: Yeah. I'm good friends with John.
1: Yeah. Oh, he was the first person who said that I was going to be a nun. Wow. Yeah. He, um, we were, we were at a focus conference. This was when I first came back to the church and I was like crazy. And, um, and I was only, I think that this, this particular focus conference, this might've been the one that I went to just because it was like a free trip to Florida. I don't remember if that happened in Florida or Denver <laughs> anyways, <clears throat> but I had like no interest in the conference itself. I just went cause it was a free trip and then I had a big conversion. But anyways, the John Irvin, uh, he, you know, I'm like talking about this boy and that boy and whatever. And, and he says to me, he was like, you're so boy crazy. You're going to be a nun. And I was so angry. I I probably like didn't talk to him for two days or something because <laughs> uh, I was so I was so mad at the thought of it. But anyways, you were so bored shout crazy. out to John Irvin a little bit.
2: Josh. is you know, and yeah, I had how, John. How <laughs> I <can. laughs> John uh, was I yeah I interviewed John on my podcast one time.
1: Oh, he's yeah, a good I worked. Man. At,
2: I, 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 I yeah. John and I had a, a constant like joking, digging at each other. Kind of like kidding each other relationship, but I really love mm-hmm. that guy. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to him in a while, but um, yeah, that could be like your blog, like boycrazynut.com. <laughs> <But it's a laughs> yeah,
1: go. I that might be kind of scandalous. So,
2: well, I mean, it would cause questions, and then you could clarify, <clears throat> and then that would, now you're it's a nice break. Um,
0: it has been fulfilled in her monastic life. That's for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. Um, she has high standards for boys, so she just ended up. With um, so I, so uh, three
1: minute, three minute. Um, if I
2: had so, if I had a three minute elevator pitch, I would hit the button to stop the elevator and make them listen to me for five to six minutes. Um,
0: all right, let's do the five to six minute version then.
2: I can't. I mean, well, I can't introduce myself in, in three minutes. I'll try. Um, no, I'm pretty good at this. I can do. So, um, my name is Andrew Whaley. I am the founder of a project called Calix, uh, that which is our, our colleagues, if you want to be correct in Latin. Um, which means cup, Ooh, or chalice latin. and latin. Just kidding. yeah i know i should change it to like chalice <laughs> or something um, we need to forget what the old slavonic word for the cup is and then use that um,
1: what did, what did you say it's it's latin for
2: cup or chalice like in the latin mass it would be a pokes in a sanguinis mei this is the mm-hmm. cup on my blood. Um, so it's yeah i missed it it's it can mean cup in, and it's it's actually comes from the old from the Greek word um, kylix, I think, which was the cup they used, that big two handled kind of ceremonial like liturgical cup that they used in the symposium, which was basically a a drinking party. This started with liturgy, went through poetry and and music, and ended up in like absolute debauchery. Like as each cup came around, so somewhere between debauchery and liturgy. It's Calix, right there in the middle. Um, there's the money quote for the podcast. They were all yeah, everybody could troll me on. Um, no, um, so I, st- I found this project called Calix, and we design, build, train, and launch uh, hospitality spaces, primarily cafes and coffee houses, as places of missional engagement between the Catholic world and primarily the deeply unchurched. Um, is kind of the vision. I don't get to build that as much. A lot of times we build a lot of uh, kind of internal community incubators where it's like Catholics wanting a place to hang out with Catholics and tell each other how Catholic they are. And I'm fine with that. That's good. But we... We're, we're kind of barreling towards a demographic iceberg and at some point we're going to have to invest in some knowledge and some, um, some structures to talk to non-Catholics because that's all we're going to have left just do the math it's like <laughs> so, um, so that's what we're trying to do we're trying to build um, a, uh, an apostolate a form a structure a set of best practices for evangelization in the post Christendom era you know and so in, that's, that's, that's basically it now through that process of building uh, coffee houses and, and hospitality spaces and coming up with the principles and the best practices and the underlying theory of this outward facing evangelization we've come up with other types of interfaces other types of contexts that, that we kind of work on but beyond that Kind of develop some best practices and some kind of insights and principles around the per se around the facing outward, around reaching the deeply unchurched. Sorry, yeah. we, we
0: need to, we need to let this mother tell her joke, or she's not gonna, or she's <laughs> not gonna to be to able say, able to hold yeah, it together.
1: Yeah. yeah, I asked Father Michael before we were recording. Father Michael said something to me. He was talking about this mission, and, and she was like, well,
0: "What is Andrew Lee going to talk about?"
1: Yeah, and I and- said
0: this, <laughs> this, and uh, outward-facing missional. And you said
1: outward-facing is- evangelization, and I was like, "Oh, is that like downward-facing dog?" And
0: <laughs> exactly, um, it is exactly.
1: And that's all I can think of right now.
0: Is what like, up, oh, dog? How can you use <laughs> okay. the
1: word outward-facing.
0: I was like, she's got to get this out or she's just going to be giggling the entire time. Yes.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's all yoga. Basically, it's just yoga, up dog, down dog, sun salutation, whatever you got. We're at, yeah, that's totally, no, that
0: is not what we're doing. At so all. Well, welcome to the squirrels on our podcast, Whaley. That was a total cowboy.
2: Oh, yeah,
1: um, cowboy.
0: And now we'll go back. Back to your spiel. <laughs> dude, you
2: know, you know more than anyone else in the world that I am pro-level at squirrel distraction. <laughs> it's like I have—I I don't even have ADD. I have—I have ADOS, which is attention deficit. Ooh, squirrel! <laughs>
0: well, let, even, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Rayleigh. Who, who, who is who has complained the most about your squirrels? That's how we name our squirrels. It's whoever complains the most. Is there someone in your life that has ever complained the most? So, like, uh, like Perla Hoskins complains all the time about the distraction, and then Cowboy oh, yeah. kind of fake complains about it. So that's how Just we got so our that names. it.
1: Could be named after him. Yeah.
0: What do you want to name I, my your squirrel?
2: squirrel? Is called Everybody. That's his name, he's every squirrel. Um, I don't know, I'd have to think about it. I've kind of systematically removed everyone. Too, yeah. I've removed everyone from my life that's annoyed by it because I mean, I literally read the report, like when I was like four or five years old, I was in child development class. Like I was one of the little subjects that the high school kids were writing about. And I got to do that when I was in high school, and my teacher said, hey you want to see something cool?" I'm like, "Yeah." And he hands me this piece of paper, and it's the report that was written on little bitty me, right? (laughs) And it sounded like my performance review today. It sounded like every single. I mean, I am. I talk. I talk too much. I use a lot of big words, and um, I am really hard to keep focus on anything. So I'm like, okay, four. I was four. So it's probably not going to happen. I saw I saw a thing online the other day that said that it was a tweet or something. And the guy said that, he's like, you know, I'm, attention deficit disorder, you know, ADD has really affected my life. And so I thought, you know what, I should learn more about it. I should really understand it. So I did three solid hours of Internet research about ADD. And what I found out is that the Canary Islands are named after a breed of dog, not the bird. <laughs> I'm like where did you put the cameras? That is absolutely my life. You know, so, but that, Andrew, yeah.
1: Um, oh, go ahead. I
2: was going to say, well, that actually does feed into um, what Father Michael said that I kind of, I, one of the ADD, I think can be kind of a superpower in the sense that I think about a bunch of things at the same time that people wouldn't normally think about at the same time. And sometimes mm-hmm patterns emerge and analogical kind of relationships emerge between these things and i end up putting things together that no one would put together and you create something new and that's innovation so Mm -hmm. calyx is kind of a mismatch of a bunch of influences of things that i was trying to think about that i kept thinking about the other things and i identified patterns between them so i mean i in some ways add is my cross in some ways it's like I would fight you if you tried to take it from me because it's hmm. kind of my superpower at the same time. Nice. But yeah. We have so, a we have
1: a we have a phrase at the monastery of uh mother says that certain certain struggles and stuff that each of the nuns has, she says that this is our cross and our crown.
2: Hmm. That's a great line. Yeah, I always yeah. say that the flip side of your greatest weaknesses is your greatest strength. Hmm. You know, like two sides of one coin. You know
1: have you ever had those flip side pretzels? <laughs> <laughs> those things are so so good
0: they're This is so good. A real a real time squirrel right
2: now. <laughs> was like the, I mean I even noticed how squirrel that was mean, okay. when I when Andrew Whaley is going
0: wow that was super ADD no but they're
1: so good have you had them
0: all right no, I'm, I'm as the least okay. ADD right now I'm gonna I'm gonna channel Deacon Jonathan Dean and say get back to the
2: topic okay and yeah let's go right. back let's go back Go wave. Uh, okay. So we're going to look. So Calix, as we're doing this, you know, so I tried to do some experiments around um, retail shops just, and I thought that maybe this could be just a way, kind of a spirituality of entrepreneurship, a way of being um, behind the counter, so to speak. And then it just, it, it became clear to me after, Experiments in retail that it needed to be a more purposeful, probably nonprofit project, and so I ended up consulting in that first consulting gig um, at the Augustine Institute because of construction delay and some stuff. I ended up launching the space instead of hiring a manager and training them, and that turned into me running uh, that coffee house. Uh, my you know Calix, my project contract managed that space for five years, and but then while I was there, I started running around the country, helping other people build shops. And so we built a lot of beautiful shops, you know, we crux coffee, or we designed crux and helped launch crux coffee up at Wyoming Catholic um, shrine coffee in Santa Cruz, California. <laughs> uh, we just, they just opened core coffee in the Newman center at um university of Illinois, Chicago. And I did work on a couple of great uh, stargazer, fine chocolates and coffee in Denver is a family based kind of like freestanding, Kind of project. So I've done I've done some different types of things. Some of them are a little like Toy is a little more of an internal incubator. Things like uh, Crocs are more of an interface between the community and this Catholic community at Wyoming Catholic. Um, those are the things that I really want people to build. Are things that are a little more connection to the community. But in that process, we kind of accidentally hit on some principles in some best practices that have found a home outside of this kind of work like specifically in campus ministry i i I just spoke at um saint mary's at texas a&m and when they called me i was like hey i help people build things and i tell them how to reach the deeply unchurched you're not building anything and you're one of the lost pockets of christendom what could i possibly say to you Mm. but they they found all kinds of um worthwhile insights from it. So so I'm kind of in that space where we, we're going to both try to push both of these directions farther, and we're going to try to start really talking to the church about the bigger perspective of these ideas that we have and how to use that to face work. Um, towards the deeply unchurched and de-churched, you're, she's, you're about to start laughing. I can see her face. <laughs> um, you had this yoga joke. Um, and then the other side, we want to build a prototype, a freestanding prototype where we can really show what it looks like if you would get deep, deep, deep in the community and slowly over time organically build relationship and really earn the right to be heard. Which, But now we're kind of getting over into the, the work of Calix. So.
0: Yes. Can we, thank you. Perfect. And I would love Andrew, if you could, if you could, um, oh my gosh, what did you just say? Uh, Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Those two things, the the two things, Whaley that you have said that have absolutely rocked my world and that, that I, that I think about every single day is, is those two things, earning the right to be heard. And then what the way you've adapted the, the alpha mindset of, the process of belonging belief behavior can you describe what you mean by those two things um, to our listeners that's the main reason why I wanted to sh- kind of share your what you were doing with the world those two things earn the right to be heard and then the process of belonging belief behavior
2: okay so Earning the right to be heard. Um, it's funny. I I found out not too long ago that I think that I stole one of those Malfa, and I openly admit it. the other. Uh, this earning the right to be heard. I think that's the model of young life, hmm. which I didn't know that. I okay. think they stole it from Saint John Bosco or one of our saints. So, so I mean, look. I mean, it's a great good artist. Good artist borrow, great artist steal. You know, yeah. and it's truth is truth. But now I think that look, there's there's the the. There's a precursor There's a precursor to earning the right to be heard. There's two precursors, and that okay. is one of my presuppositions, and this is one of the things I teach people, is that the same way that the sacraments are the ordinary means of grace, the ordinary context for evangelization or certainly any real discipleship is to be in relationship, in community with that person. Mm-hmm if you're not willing to pay the price to be in relationship, in community with that person, then you don't get to be the one to evangelize them or disciple them. Huh. You know, you can stand on a corner and hold a sign and if that works for you, I'm not trying to trash talk anybody who's in the street evangelization. I've never really seen it work other than just like catching a few low-hanging fruit that happens to be walking by, you know. Um, I think that the better thing to do would be to build a relationship over time and then, and then, and then, In that process that that's going to affect what you build and where you put it and all that stuff but then once you do that you have to earn the right to be heard and that means that you have to be I mean there was a time in the church maybe not too long ago where all you had to do is go oh well the the church teaches this or I have a cassock on so you should listen to me we're the conscience of the culture but we're way on the long side of the sexual revolution at this point. We've had the sexual abuse scandal that just continues to just keep coming out and everything. We don't just automatically get everyone's respect Hmm. and culture has just shifted. So you kind of have to give them over time a reason to listen to you other than well, I have some authority, and I have the truth, and you're wrong, and I'm right. So you should listen. You have to, you have to earn that right over time, and that is through a lot of things, but through a connection of shared in shared goods. We talk a lot about. We call them anchor goods, where there are overlaps between the Catholic vision of reality and the the, the vision of reality held by the person that you're trying to have relationship with. And a lot of those are going to come are going to be very human goods, or maybe come from Catholic social doctrine or something. Um, and those, it might just be craft and beauty, and and and, and just serving someone and being present, just listening to someone, giving them your full attention in this super distracted world. Just sitting there and actually being present to someone, like they actually matter, mm. and all these little things. They're this combination of Mary and Martha, you know, you're Martha, 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 then you're Mary, then you're Martha again. You know, these moves of hospitality, these this work of hospitality. If you're, it's a way of being Martha that is a Mary kind of mode. You're you're mm-hmm. you're, you're 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 cooking, but you're actively facing and cooking for Christ in, in serving Christ and the stranger. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you do that, it awakens something in them. And, and it earns that. Now, ultimately, our goal would be to get beyond the shared goods of just like uh, worldview in the vision of reality and more towards being united by what Ghazani would call these deep constitutive goods. These the, the answer to the deep constitutive needs that exist in each one of us. The true, the good, the beautiful, meaning, destiny, truth, I mean, uh, you know, um, reality, just this, these things that were built for. Those are the things that earn the right to be heard. Now, the second thing that you you brought up was, so the the, the apostolate Alpha.
0: Real quick, real quick about the earning the right to be heard. My my understanding of that is that, in other words, people are not going to listen to what you have to say until you have, until you have um,
1: relationship.
0: Right, and, and and but the relationship is like they say. I actually want to hear what you have to say. I I I have I know that what you are sharing with me is done out of love and not out of coercion, not out of you know some sort of what the what the what St. Paul describes as you know um, I think it was with the, just the Galatians. You know that they, they boast of your circumcision and they they boast of your circumcision because they're in a sense they're they're wanting to prove that we have like every every man that gets circumcised, we can say, okay, this is a notch on our belt. We 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 won another one over. Or it's the fear of persecution. And so there's this, you know, earning the right to be heard is say, nobody's going to listen to us if they think we're just trying to get another butt in the pews. You know, no, no, no one, they're not going to listen to us if they think that we're just another notch on the belt. Oh, look, I brought someone else in. So, But once we've said like, I love you and I love Christ. And so I'm going to, I want, I want you to be as happy and as fulfilled as I am because of my faith. And once they're convinced of that. And I what I was going to bring up is that somebody actually, maybe it was even you, Whaley, or somebody said, this is what the banter is. I mean, there, there, there's certainly banter haters in any podcast, but sure, yeah. the banter is a, is uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be saying something, but, but you have to get to know me first. Like this is like um, Elizabeth Merzay, who both of you know, like she's, she's, her husband's friend. Afghanistan, she speaks fluent Farsi, when she went over to Afghanistan she said, before any business gets done, you have to ask how your family is, you have to find out, how they, you have to entertain how you've been, like the, the relationship has to be built before any business gets done. The same thing we went down to Mexico. Same thing. Like down in Mexico, you, 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 you establish that human relationship and the business does not matter. We're not doing this because of business. You know, mm-hmm. I need the business, but my relationship is more important. So earning the right to be heard is kind of what people have said. The banter is the banter introduces us as individuals. People learn our personality. And then, then they would say, well, now I'll listen to what they have to say. Not because I'm searching for truth, which people should be searching for truth and many people are, but because this is a truth that is coming from a place of great authenticity, and this is very dear to them. One of those lines, I think I've shared on the podcast before, but I love the, the line at the very beginning of, um, of Blue Light Jazz by, um, who wrote Blue Light Jazz, Whaley? Do you remember? Uh, Donald Miller. Thank you, Donald Miller. So he has that line and it says something like, it's more eloquent than this, but I never liked jazz. One day I was walking down the street and there was a guy playing the saxophone. He played for 10 minutes and never opened his eyes. Now I love jazz. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, wait yeah, when, yeah. cause he was just saying like this guy, the jazz is worthy of love because I've saw this, I saw this man love it and it's worthy of love. So therefore I'm, I want to love jazz because I saw someone loving it. And and, and therefore it must be worthy of love. So one mm-hmm. thing that the banter does, one thing that the earning the right to be heard does is it says, we've built up enough of a relationship where you, you're going to say, I'm, I'm curious, about Christ, because this person has given their entire life for Him. This person has given up so much, or loves Him so much that 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 wouldn't be attractive to me unless I unless I was attracted to you and and I and I, I wanted to engage with you. And now, what makes you tick? What makes you give up so much? What makes you love so much? And then when I, when we say, well, it's actually it's actually Christ and 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 salvation and heaven and love and self-gift um, to the poor, all these things, and they say, well, l- let me find out more about that. So anyway, um that that's why I love the earn the right to be heard so much just because so often we'll get to this in a moment with the second thing you're about to explain Whaley, but, but so often, um, we just we want to cry out the truth from the rooftops and almost beat people's head beat people over the head with with truth without understanding that it's not that they're not accepting truth that they 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 are not in a place where they can even hear the truth let alone then accept it and that, that that being in the place where they can hear it and will actually be responsive will actually be open to listening to it that's kind of the first step um, that's the earning the right to be heard part
1: there is I've I have a few comments on that uh, first of all just so I don't forget it because it's the last thing you said. Um I was kind of praying with that this morning because I've been praying ever since my <laughs> you told me Father Michael before my life profession to pray with the Gospel of St John. Um and then afterwards to pray with the Prophet Isaiah. And uh I'm still I'm still praying with John because I've been moving <laughs> through it so slowly. But I I just read the yesterday morning, sorry. I read the the part in John 17 17? no 17 the priestly prayer 18 18 is is 18 the, the um betrayal
0: yeah
1: okay so in john 18 um i was praying with the part where peter cuts off the ear um of one of the soldiers and um and Well, a couple things that I noticed in that, in that gospel passage, one is that Jesus's response is, uh, shall I, shall I refuse or not receive or something like that? Um, the chalice that the father is giving to, to me, right? Um, and one of the things that I found interesting was John's gospel account does not have Jesus praying, let this cup pass, um, let this calyx pass, if you will. Uh, John John's gospel doesn't have that. The other three have that, or maybe two of the other three. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that that John doesn't even have the part where he's it has Christ's prayer of "Let this pass for me," but he does say to Peter, um, "Should I refuse this chalice?" And but the other thing is, I was realizing, like one of one of the the um, messages there for me was. That though though we're called to defend Jesus, i.e. the truth, though we're called to defend the truth, it's not always at the time or in the way that we want it to be. Mm -hmm. And and I thought of how many times I have with such zeal, quote unquote, defended the truth, defended Jesus um, by cutting off an ear. And and doing so much more harm than good, and and not allowing it to be what the Lord actually wants it to be, which is what I think you're saying. But but I so so anyways, I just was um, I was praying with that yesterday with that gospel. But uh, the other thing,
2: cutting cutting off his ear was kind of a a lobe blow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. Andrew knows I like his puns a lot. So so um, the the other thing is. (laughs) <laughs> That's really funny. The other thing is that I, I think that what this comes down to, this this earning the right to be heard, is something that all societies have, like for all times, um, in some sense you've needed. But I think part of the reason it's so true today is because we all have this this gap in our life of being seen. We we feel like we're not seen, and so someone wants wants to feel like we have this deep ache to really be seen and to be loved. Um, and it's like you you know everyone knows the person Father Michael's like this. Um, my friend Father Boniface is like this. The the person who. You're at a party with a bunch of people, and they love all the people. But when they're in a conversation with you, like you're the only person in the world who matters right now. I experienced that
2: with Father Boniface at your profession. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Outside.
1: That's, that's yeah. I mean, that's I had that exact
2: experience. He knew everyone there. Everyone was claiming for his attention, and I was his universe for a few minutes while we were hmm. talking.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, and and like that seeing earns the right to be heard because it's like, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, that this person, um, anyways, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat that down, but, um,
2: I'll, but I I'll, think, I'll, 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 go ahead. Sorry.
1: I I think though, Andrew, in all seriousness, this, I'm, I'm not playing around here. I think this is what I was trying to articulate when you were like, I don't even understand why mother Natalia loves me. Um, it's like, I, I see, Exactly what you were talking about—of the good, the true, and the beautiful—in your heart, and and Aww. and those things are there even if you don't see them or if you don't acknowledge them, because you're made in the image of God, uh, and and as you increase in virtue, you you grow in the likeness. But um, I don't know. I just when we see others and we're really trying to see them, we love them more. And people feel that love and they know that we're speaking from a place of love uh, because it's genuine. And, and like people know when they're trying when they're like you're trying to trick them or something.
2: That's and I think that's is what it comes down to is. Man, there's so much I could say about this. Um, we we don't want to be used. You know, and it's real quick to to get our um, things, you know, whether if you're a woman and you're being used for, for pleasure or you're uh, someone who's being used for profit or something. There's an immediate, um, immediate reaction to it's, it's an affront to our dignity. But I think that there's a subtle, there's a subtle use that has developed in the mode of evangelization in the church where it's become kind of the imposition and the assertion of ideology that is kind of, and I think this is a by. This is one of the two or three bad byproducts of apologetics culture in the eighties, nineties, and early two thousands. Is that people are being reduced to, at worst, they're being reduced to a placeholder of a position in a culture in the culture war or in a certain ideological battle, or they're being um, re- reduced to a, maybe a project. Like Father Michael was saying, another potential butt in the seat. Another, you know, another notch on my my belt. God's so proud of me, I got another one. You know, it's like, and I think that the, the way that you have to kind of counteract that is, you know, Christ said that as the Father sent me, so I send you. And you go, well, how did the Father send the Son? Well, St. Paul tells us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, when we allow ourselves to love people, not not just wanna love them because I'm on team Christ and I wanna take you over to Christ and introduce you to him so I can pawn you off on Jesus, put you on the same team. Now we agree, you see that I was right and I can go off and get another one while you're over there. But loving someone with the love of Christ will make you long for relationship with them and that is a very natural way to be drawn in and i think that people people instinctively that maybe even people who are kind of thrown off by the idea of the incarnation they want to see they want to see truth good the true the good and the beautiful incarnate they want to see it made human and when you are being that for them and you're not using them you're designing a relationship for them then you are making that present in the same mode, in the same way that God made that present in the incarnation. Mm-hmm. And even if they might ideologically reject the concept of the incarnation, their heart longs for that, that interface with truth through the human, through, mm-hmm. through, through their, through their real, through real relationship with, with the incarnate. And so I think that that, that's part of it. I think people are just tired of being argued with and, and 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 try people trying to win a battle or something and so the way you get around that is you just actually have to care you have to actually give a dang about these people you have to actually want relationship with them and um Mm -hmm. now then that i guess i'll I'll move on to the the second the second thing the father asked me to talk about um in the apostolate um in the ministry of alpha which started as a protestant project but now they have um uh, they're used quite a bit in the Catholic world I was talking to, I can't remember his name, I apologize I should have looked this up before the podcast um, The 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 director The national director for Alpha in a Catholic Context, really great guy, really great Conversation, I can't remember his name um, I'll have to look It up, it's been months ago My Ever since taking care of my mom for a few Years, it's just like my brain, my, my memory Doesn't work the way it used to after all that stuff With my mom, but that's a side story um, And so, um he, told, he gave me the greatest gift, and I said, I'm going to steal this, and I'm going to attribute it every time I use it, though. Hmm. And that is, he said that in Alpha, they want people to belong, believe, and behave in that order. Hmm. And it's the exact opposite of what we do as Catholics in the modern world. We're involved in this ideological battle, and we're just like, look, I don't care what you believe, and I don't want relationship with you. Just don't, don't get an abortion. Just don't stop being gay. Stop doing this. Just change your change your behavior. Now, if you change your behavior because you heard the kerygma and you're like Jesus is Lord, and oh maybe you even became a Catholic. Okay, that's that's great. I like that better. But really, what I wanted you was to to act different. It's an ethical project. And then in the end, it's like okay, you won. I got you. Got you. Got the behave and I really even believe now. So is there something I could belong to? And you're, I don't know. You can go to mass. I mean, there's Knights of Columbus are going to make some pancakes this weekend. I mean, there's like, there's nothing to belong to, right? There's no community. So then the opposite of that with the concept of alpha and the belong, the reversing that procedure is saying that, no, you have to build something for them to belong to. So while they're still, they don't believe Jesus is Lord they maybe don't even believe in God and they're still living with their girlfriend and they're still doing whatever you think they need to stop doing, That you need to build something that they say, no, that's my place. That's my home. Those are my people. Now, how in the world they do that with Alpha, I don't understand because, I mean, a bunch of blatantly religious videos and questions, you're going to kind of, we're going to filter out a lot of people that aren't willing to go there. So I, I kind of go back way farther than that people that would never come to something like alpha you know um uh, people that would never walk into a church for the most part is what we're trying those are the people we're building for so then you have to build so then the question is well what in the world can you build that someone who doesn't believe and is not behaving is going to come to five days a week and feel at home and loved it? that's what we do Hmm. Coffee. I mean, there's, there's a few things you could do, but I mean, there is a, a, a community form in Western civilization where people come to it every day. They spend time with people that are very, very different from them and have even deep conversation with people that are very different from them. And that's normal for that community form. So you're not going to have that conversation in the produce aisle, but you will have it at your local shop. Yeah. So we coffee just shop. do that. Yeah, your local coffee shop.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so just to reiterate. Sorry, go ahead, sister, mother. No. I was going to say. So to reiterate, the the especially I think for our contemporary for the contemporary Western American in this case, um, what you you have it. They're, they're going to be. It's just like you know, Christopher Fannick's so eloquent about the three transcendental's: truth, beauty, and goodness. Where the the like nobody in this generation and for the past three generations has cared about truth or goodness. Both of those are completely subjective. There's no objectivity. But but this generation does respect beauty in a way that it doesn't respect the other two, in general, the secular, secular generation, so in other words so let's focus on beauty, and once they have beauty, and once they understand beauty for what it truly is, because that's one thing that is going to get your foot in the door then they may actually seek out, if they believe in objective beauty, they may then seek out objective goodness and objective truth and, and these things that are so uh, real when it comes to faith in the transcendent but with this, it's like the, the people don't have faith and they certainly don't behave according to the faith, So, but what they do does desire, especially post-COVID, is community, is this belonging. So so if they if for, if they first belong and you say, you know, you're gonna be, you're gonna be so different than other people here, but we don't want you like come and belong. And then from belonging they're gonna say, they're gonna see some thread among the belonging that 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 then hopefully they the Holy the Holy Spirit guides them to the next step, which is belief. Then they believe and then once they believe that affects their behavior. So you can't expect change behavior in the beginning you 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 have a place of belonging that leads to the holy spirit seems to be leading that from belonging to belief and then to behavior and it has to happen like you said Whaley, in that order absolutely and then oh, i have a, one more some... question for you okay. but i want a mother to mother I, I
2: want i want to i want to riff on that real fast sure at the risk of giving any any kind of props to Christophanic, you know you know, I just can't stand that guy. I mean, you know, me and Chris just don't get along at all.
0: But. He's kidding. All right. Their friends Go ahead.
2: <laughs> Um You know, and Barron says the same thing, Bishop mm-hmm. Barron, that the, the, the beauty is a spearhead of the new evangelization. And it's funny; it's the, it, the same way that that belong, believe, behave is the reverse of what we normally do in the Catholic world. If that's also the reverse, right? Because it's like we will leave blood on the field for the objective nature of the true and the good. Yeah, but then it's like. Well, you know, it's like we don't, we wouldn't know the beautiful if it came up and bit us, and we put up with so much ugliness in our churches and the way that we do things, and the way that we design, the way we, everything about the church, we 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 really are okay with that. Now, and it's interesting that the modern world, I think, in relation to beauty, I think that the modern world has been numbed to to the ugly. You know, we're mm. harder to shock and we will take a, a level of ugly that we wouldn't take before. But we haven't been completely inoculated against the beautiful. Mm. We right. it's, it's, it's still um, every pagan that you know that says that they would hate the true and the good or whatever, uh, as we define them, when they go to Rome, they go to St. Peter's. Why? It's beautiful. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, a, so I think that, but now, now then you say, okay, take that concept of the beautiful. Even even, and and double down. You go look at like culinary beauty or design. I think design is to the moderns what rhetoric was to the ancients. You have to have good design, Mm. you know. And then just craft. Everybody loves craft now. Craft and art, artisan work, and everything is that form of the beautiful. Has has become. Huge, and then even just look at the the way you live, the way you carry yourself, the way you listen to them, the way you serve them, the way you're, the way you do everything. You can act beautifully, the way the Greeks would say that there was a beautiful death or something, or he, he died a beautiful death. Beautiful can be applied the, the in different ways, and I think that I think as Catholics, you hear a lot of people griping about the beautiful, and it's really just an excuse to make fun of bad churches and then redecorate mm-hmm. churches to make them look more like pre Vatican two. Which I'm mm-hmm. um, okay, great. I like those churches and I think that we do have ugly churches and I like the older churches better. But that's kind of like you're getting you're getting out of it with an easy answer if you think it's only architectural and it's yeah. only pretty paintings and statues.
0: And on the other side, I think this even even as I describe belonging and beauty like these are these are two things that that the church has been trying for 60 70 years but they I think we have not done a good job of it in other words we've been emphasizing the community aspect of the body of Christ over the eucharistic aspect of the body of Christ. Now that's wrong. Like that they're equal. But when you, when you move the tabernacles in the, in the Roman Catholic church, you move the tabernacles from the central part of the church. You move it to somewhere else to emphasize the community rather than the Eucharist. Like you're, that's, that's not helpful. And so when we say you, you can, we have to make sure that we're not stopping at belonging, belonging, like you're, you're going to trust the Holy spirit, but you need to provide the truth of belief before they're going to move on to the goodness of, of, of behavior. So mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. so you cannot stop there. There, there needs to be an openness to promoting really what, tr- what belief and, and behavior is that you cannot water that down. I think what the church has done for the past 60 years is we emphasized beauty and we emphasized belonging to the detriment of the other ones. For sure, and then for so, and we watered them down said, oh, you don't need those. You don't need to believe that it's really the body of Christ. You don't really you know, need, need to, to behave according to the truth of the gospel and the truth of what the church teaches. So there has to be an authenticity to all three levels, but while at the same time acknowledging that the authenticity of the second two are not going to even be respected until the authenticity of the first one without taking away the other two is, is actually lived out.
2: And then I have. Uh, we need to let mother talk. I, I, yeah, sorry, <laughs>
0: mother.
1: No, it's okay. I uh, there. Well, there are a few things I'm thinking now of just how I think that there's a certain power to to a coffee shop in particular. Of I, I remember I was a barista in college, and uh, and I I just could see in people's faces what a difference it made made when they would come in and and I'd greet them by name or I'd start their order before they before they placed it because I just knew what they wanted and everything you know and so it's like coffee shops in particular have have this atmosphere in which it can so easily become a place of belonging and so I think that there's there's something good there of it also makes me think of the cheers um
2: yeah, for sure. The
1: Cheers intro song, you know? the. Yeah. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Like
2: Norm, the, right? Norm. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but the other thing, have I ever told you about the coffee shop in Cuba, Andrew? No. No,
2: you haven't.
1: So when I lived in Guantanamo Bay, there was a coffee shop um, at the church. And it was wait, called the y- Guanacro. You
2: lived in Guantanamo Bay? Yeah. I didn't know.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, for two years. So um, What did so you when I was in um, mostly waterboarding. waterboarding. I'm you just put,
2: <laughs> um, Oh, I thought you were you were in Guantanamo. I thought that you are subversive. Um, wow.
1: So so the uh yeah, that was not a funny joke. I regret I regret that. Well, sure. but it was more
2: like with it was more like it, pour over coffee, but you were pouring coffee on you were pouring <laughs> water on something. It was just coffee grounds, you know. It was so, kinda of like I,
1: So I was in sixth and seventh grade at the time. So I was, um, I don't know, like 12 or something. But uh, so there was this coffee shop uh, called Iguana Crossings and it was at the church. It was owned by the church. Uh, For for a while, my dad managed it. But this coffee shop, it was really neat because uh, all of the drinks were free. Hmm. But in order, in order to pay for it, people would, the rate, the regulars would, when they came in to get their drink every once in a while, they would be, they would bring a bag of coffee beans or they'd bring a jug of half and half, or they would, and that's how, that's how everything was supplied. And we never had to charge for the drinks. And, and that was just this beautiful, it added this like communal sense to, um, this is my coffee shop, you know, and hmm. my dad let me, my dad let me work there, uh, sometimes and so i would take like a 2 hour shift or something like that uh and and i remember there was this group of of people who would come in and they were probably i don't know they were probably like in their 50s uh but it's hard to know because i was 11 and so you can't really judge age at that time in your life but yeah. um and they would play Cranium every Monday night, I think, and it was like the greatest gift in the world when my dad would let me go in and work that shift and then stay to play Cranium with them. And <laughs> and I think I think that they weren't even all Catholic. Um, there were like three or four of them, and they I think they weren't even all Catholic. But this was this place in which in which they met um, for specifically for community, and
2: yeah, so yeah, I think that I mean that's the thing is it. The reason you have the reason the church made the mistake of like moving the tabernacle and then, you know, messing with the mass and doing all kinds of crazy stuff with the mass and everything. is because when you all you have is the mass and you want to do something else, then you end up turning the mass into this big Super Bowl party. But it's you. How about we leave the mass intact we, leave we the have a terrible
1: ta- party. Yeah, we actually leave the
2: tabernacle where it's at, and we build something other than a church where we can actually have a party. Right? And we have a party every day. And we bring people in. You feed them. You give them something to drink. You know. You do these normal human goods. You know. And that goes to say that it's like if you're going to build this, and you're going to build something that Catholics are not going to, that not only Catholics going to come to, then you have to build it in a way, and you have to brand it in a way, you have to name it in a way. That that is is ergonomic to the people that you're trying to have relationship with, you know. And so, you know, if you call it immaculate and serve a Popuccino and give a free Scott Hahn book and a rosary with every latte, then you're, you're going to get people once. I have to stop using that joke because someone tried to call something immaculate. I'm like, no, no, that's bad. <laughs> Don't use that name. That's the, that's the icon of what not to do. Stop. <laughs> well, it's so fun. Right. It's fun for Catholics. If you watch a bunch of EWTN, then you're going to love that name. But you're not trying to reach people that watch it's a right bunch of EWTN. It, yeah. You know, you're trying to reach people that are wouldn't know what EWTN is. You know, you're trying not trying to create create that that space full of your people like you you're trying to get outside of that. So I think that that's um but I think yeah this that normal the normal activity of the cafe I mean the four things that mark the cafe are con- the consumption of food and beverage, conversation, reading and writing. Those things and then things like gameplay and stuff like that have, have have been a part of it and, and, and different aspects but just just spending time together, doing things together, conversation. Just Maybe reading a book, writing in the corner—just those normal, very human things—are the moves of of, of of the community inside of a space like that. But Probably had another
0: question. I did. Um, I I would love for, and, and let me. Just, I'll I'll lead into this. So this is kind of my reflection. But um, when I was when I was in a, a priest, probably six seven years. Um, shout out to Tom Hewley, uh, this businessman in Denver approached me and said, hey, I'm putting together a cohort for this priestly leadership program called Good Leaders, Good Shepherds. And it's a four-year program and it's, it's, a, it's kind of leadership legacies for priests. And so there's it's leadership training for priests. And so I went through this and God bless Tom, he had kind of handpicked probably seven or eight of us priests that he knew that he wanted to be in his cohort to do this four year program. And it was absolutely incredible. I mean, it was, it, it, I, I wish I had adopted more. I still have all the resources, but it was, it, it really did give me hope for, for, here's how you can use kind of common sense, tried and tested leadership um, models for business that can also work in, within the church, adapted towards you know, the, the body of Christ and, uh, and, and the parish model. And I, I, so after going through this, I said, you know, why don't, why don't you teach this in seminary? Like this, this should be a course in seminary. And he said, oh, we tried, but the semin, no, none of the seminarians listened. In other words, it, it, they all, when, when you presented them, presented them with an idea of said, hey, look, you're going to have, you're going to have people in the parish that are looking for this practical thing, and they're looking for this spiritual thing, and they're looking for this, and all the seminarians just, it, it's kind of essence. And I remember this one. When I was a seminarian, you, you think that you're going to be better at this than you are going to be. You, you think it's going to be easier. And you think that you think that there's the solutions to the issues in, in parish life are just kind of, you know, pray harder and, and, and like love the way you love, like, Oh, people are going to respond to the way I love. That's not always the case. So, but he said, in other words, they, the, the seminarians have not lived the life of a pastor yet. So it needs to be offered to priests like, five years after they've been in the ministry, because then they're going to be like, I need something else. Like this mm-hmm. isn't as easy. And, and then the same thing happens with like ECF and CCD. Like when we educate children, like they're bored out of their minds a lot of the times in these classes, because we're, we're kind of throwing church teaching at them without them even asking what church teaching is or so we need to kind of go back and find out. So the, the, the other phrase, I don't know where you got this from, Andrew, but, but don't answer any unasked questions. In other words, do, if people come to you, don't start throwing answers to the questions they haven't asked, mm-hmm. then they're not going to listen. They're going to be bored out of their minds. So, so can you explain where you got that from and, and how you see in the context of these outward facing hospitality centers, like like how, how do they, how do we approach that idea? You know, yeah, don't okay. answer any unasked questions.
2: Um, so there's a pre there's a there's a precursor concept to that, that, and they're both kind of from the same place. Um, the 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 the, 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 per- the prohibit the prohibiting of answering unasked questions is from a quote by uh, Reinhold Niebuhr that says something along the lines of um, "There's nothing more shocking than an answer to an unasked question." But I got that because the uh, Massier Luigi Gisani, used to quote that all the time, um, mm-hmm. and so the 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 precursor concept of that is um kind of the heartbeat in some ways here's what you're doing here's the kind of place you need to build to be able to do this but here here is really what you're doing and that is the awakening of desire and what do i mean by that you know um and this is like all blatantly stolen from father julian caron in the first chapter of a book called disarming beauty everyone should read it and um Coronel says basically like look you, you meet someone and they have insufficient or incomplete answers right they're wrong they're, they're a materialist let's say they think there's nothing but atoms in the space in between them so we as Catholics say oh that guy needs some information let's get him some information and like the Bar and the Blues Brothers that had both kinds of music country and western we have uh, <laughs> we have both kinds of information in the church catechesis and apologetics so it's like, okay, we got to get this guy some catechesis and some apologetics, right? And Caron says, no. No, he says that reality, the fullness of reality, even the infinite, gives itself freely when questioned correctly. The reason this guy has insufficient or incomplete answers is because he's asking insufficient or incomplete questions of reality. And then he says, well, you know, why, uh, why is he doing that? Well, he says it's because his desire has not been awakened yet, and he says, "Well, then the obvious question is, well, how do you get your desire awakened?" Um, he says the same thing that Plato said about the good: you got to get around someone whose desire has been awakened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's what I do is build a context for a repeated ga- engagement where we on the on the far side of the counter can kind of go about this process of the recovery of our own hearts so to speak to try to, to try to awaken our own desire and maybe live with an awakened desire and in a way that that will rub off in people all the things that people have kind of dialed their desire down to what they know hmm. or if they can't dial it down they numb it with booze or facebook doom scrolling or porn or busy or whatever you can get your hands on to numb that that desire for this thing that you don't know what it is because you've written off community you've written off christianity you've written off religion but yet somehow your heart is hungry for something more than you have access for and you can either dial that down or you can numb it or Mm -hmm. you can let it hurt and wake up one of the two um and then so then, we, we go about that, and 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 then I think that being present to Christ and the stranger, in the Benedictine mode of care, of hospitality, is a is a unique way to really really awaken yourself by serving Christ, being in that Mary mode while you're being Martha, and then the other side is the flip side is loving them with the love of Christ, you know, instead of seeing them as a project letting Christ longing for them be present in you. So you're kind of Christ loving Christ in that Mm -hmm. moment. And uh, I've I've noticed that a, a place opens up between you. And I'm not talking about apologetics without words a place opens between the guest and the person serving in that mode that does two things that the Holy Spirit can inhabit and it does two things it, it helps you recover your own heart and awaken your heart and it rubs off and it awakens their desire as well. Now, where do, how does that have to do with the question you asked me about unasked questions? When that, I had to say all that to, to give this answer. So, when that desire, when that holy discontent, when that You know, C.S. Lewis talks about you see some beautiful sunset or hear a great, beautiful piece of music or hear some beautiful, really true lecture or read a book or something or see a beautiful human being. And then it's just this mountaintop experience. And there's always a letdown afterwards Hmm. because it's the beautiful you want. It's not something beautiful. It's not something that participates in the beautiful. It's the beautiful you want, right? So when. Living that life in community, recovering your own heart, living and living with an awakened desire, in the context where you're anchored by these shared goods, you're increasingly being anchored by these deeper, more constitutive goods. At some point, that, that longing, that, 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 dis, that holy discontent will come to the point of a question, and then you just answer it. Mm. But the desire is the hermeneutic. It is the interpretive key to understand the answer. So yeah. telling them the answer before they ask the question is like me walking up to someone in Cuba and telling them the answer in Hungarian. They don't speak that language.
0: And it's kind of like throwing pearls before swine. In other words, this yeah. is something beautiful and sacred, but but you're not able until you ask, until you, until you even want what we're offering here you're going to you're not going to appreciate it for the beauty that it is so it's it's almost like a protective thing by not throwing truths to people that don't seem ready to accept the truth you you're you're, you're the door actually protecting the doors. them <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We, 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 we kick out those who are uninitiated for their own sake, mm-hmm. not not for our protective nature, but we're saying we're, we're about to show you Jesus Christ himself, but it looks like bread. And so you're going to be scandalized by this if you if you view right. it because you haven't been baptized. You're not able to see it for what it is yet. It's very protective. We're protecting you, even though they don't understand it that way, of course. but. Yeah. You know,
1: your um all this talk about desire, Andrew, reminds me of my my favorite quote by Saint Augustine is he who is lost in his passions is less lost than he who has lost his passion.
2: I love that quote.
1: And yeah, it's so good. And um he who is lost in his passions is less lost than he who has lost his passion. Mm. Because at least the one lost in their passions has the desire, has has that um that unknown God that uh, that they're worshiping, and uh, and the the beauty that they're desiring. But it also reminds me of I, I had shared a poem back when we did the the episode on Transfiguration. I had shared a poem. It was the first poem that I'd written, at least as an adult. Oh, and, I was there. Um, I was there when you shared. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And. Um, and there was this moment when like it, it, it's, the poem is all about my experience of Christ on the mountain of um, on Mount Tabor uh, at the transfiguration. And, and there's this line that's, um, uh, and so I leave the mountain. Oh gosh. I don't know how my own poem goes, but I said, um, I said, but the mountain is not my love. My love is you. Mm. And, um, because there is this moment that we have to get to where we acknowledge that it is it is the beautiful, not the thing that is beautiful that you're talking about. And we have to um, we have to get to that point where we make that transition. Because then we realize that we can have the beautiful, the beauty everywhere. When we can have that intimacy with the Lord and have the beauty of relationship with Him wherever we are.
2: Right. We're, I mean, we're, we're, that's the thing is that we're not we're not meant to be decoration, we're meant to be icons, you know, mm-hmm. or windows. You know, someone asked me, um, we were talking about decorating a space and they were wanting to put a lot of pictures of saints on the wall or whatever, and I said, I don't want my saints on the wall, I want them behind the counter. I, mm-hmm. want, I want the human reasons to believe, the windows, the human windows into the divine, wiping that spill, And and pouring latte art, and and remembering your drink when you walk in. I want you to interact with them, and so I think that that. But but you have to keep in mind, it's not about us. Mm -hmm. Because I'm longing for you with the long love of Christ, it still doesn't mean it's about relationship with me. I'm there to be a window. I'm there for you to over time to participate in this thing greater than both of us, so that through my humanity through the, incar- through it, that thing can be incarnated and made present and available in a way that you can understand it. I mean, that's the, that's what it comes, that's where all this comes down to is that, that Aquinas says, uh, you know, loving, love is willing the good of the other as other, right? And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we know that from Motiva, that, that love is a gift of self. Love is laying down your life. But another Aquinas quote that I quote a lot is, um, and this is this is I start twitching from having having gone to Thomas Aquinas College. I twitch every time I say this because hmm. it's because uh, it hurts. <laughs> but but it's the thing received is received in the mode of the receiver. The, the, the gift is received in the mode of the person getting the gift, right? Mm-hmm. Or the scripture says that um, a loud blessing early in the morning is taken as a curse, right? So your job is to create a place where you can lay your life down, but lay your life down in a way that they will experience it as love. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, Oh, I want to lay my life down by doing a bunch of apologetics or dragging you into liturgy when you're not ready for it or Mm -hmm. arguing you, arguing with you about, you know, who your roommate is or whatever, how you're living your life or what substances you're putting in your body or whatever. No, you have to, you have to earn your right. You have to, earn those conversations to accept, but you earn it by laying your life down for them in a way that they can understand that. All I do is build a room where that can happen. And that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's in some ways, that's the entire ministry. That's the entire project that I do. Amen.
0: All right. Um, let's go ahead and finish up with uh, some prayer intentions. Very good to have you on, Andrew Whaley. Uh, can I get my
2: can I get my website or you know yeah go ahead yeah calix.org c-a-l-i-x dot org org. Um, email addresses phones everything is on there Uh, if you are interested in this kind of thing you want to know more you want to talk to me you want you got questions for me or whatever hit me up I would love to help out
0: so perfect yeah yeah I highly recommend if this touched your heart to be in touch with him, um, so that you can uh, learn more and and possibly you know actually execute something that that is on your heart. Uh, thank you, thank you again, and really for coming on. I appreciate it um, for accepting the invitation and for uh, yeah for being yourself and for being so receptive to what our Lord's doing in all these ways. You know, up to this point in your life. So thank you for that. Um, all right. Uh, prayer intentions. Uh, I was just thinking like who I wanted to pray for as we close out. I think, you know how people, when they're in college at Steubenville, how they pray for their future spouse, um, you know, because they, they you know, that they, they exist, they're alive, they're about their same age, most likely, and they don't know they who do they that? are. And they, Father oh, Michael, yeah, you already
1: promised celibacy.
0: I know, so that's where I'm going with this, but I'm asking. Yeah, but both I'm of asking, you have, you're going
2: to pray for my spouse, good, because yeah.
0: <laughs> she's Just lost, because really. I can't find her. <laughs> oh, calyx.org you can find his email there single ladies yeah exactly the blind
2: forms to the left ladies thank god this is an audio podcast and not a video he's
1: a catch all right Um, michael what's your actual intention
0: is to pray for my future bishop Um, Mm. so right now Bishop John retired and, um, we have a wonderful administrator, uh, uh, Bishop Olmsted of Phoenix, of Roman Phoenix, but, and he's wonderful. He's, he's done so much for our eparchy, but, um, but so yeah, pray for whoever the, whoever we get as our next Bishop for the eparchy of Phoenix, um, that they may be, uh, may be you know, a good, holy, prayerful, a good leader and, and kind of open to like wise about what our eparchy and our parishes need. But also I really hope that, that our bishop in the context of this conversation is, is open to um, this, an understanding that, that, that going out to the unchurched and going out to those who would ordinarily not in any way be attracted to our ancient form of spirituality, um, would be, you know, empowering and encouraging and, um, allowing us to, to focus on this moving forward. So that prayer would be great.
1: Um, you know, what's really interesting is I had thought of my prayer intention before you gave yours, but my prayer intention is for the Eparchy of Parma <laughs> ah. uh, because uh, we're just, um, yeah, the Eparchy is like there's lots of pains and lots of struggles, but I also think lots of hope and mm. um, and our monastery being one of those places of hope. And so please pray for our Eparchy as we're, um Yeah. Learning, uh, learning how to trust and how to hope Amen. at Barkey
0: of Phoenix, uh, Parma, sorry. <laughs> Both. <Learning>
1: Parma. <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> My home at Barkey is Phoenix, but now I'm in Parma. All
0: right. Andy Whaley.
2: Um, uh, I want to, uh, a couple prayer intentions. One is just a prayer in gratitude for, um, the privilege in the overwhelming beauty of being able to take part in mother Natalia's life profession Mm -hmm. and all other relationships that I started there and deepened there and all the people this ever. I want to pray for everyone who was how to say it. I, the way I experienced this was um, the planting of a seed and kind of the deepening of something inside me by taking part in that. And as I've talked to other people that were friends that were there, they experienced the same thing. And so I'm just praying miracle grow on that uh, seed (laughs) that was planted in me and in everyone and in gratitude for the beauty of um, your life and getting to take part in that. And um, I'm also gonna be selfish and say, I'm asking for prayer for myself Um, I'm, I'm now back out in the world after, you know, COVID isolation and two and a half years of being a caregiver for my mom. callie got put semi on hold a lot during that time. And, um, I've got to really pull the trigger on some definite plans and ideas. And I'm at a fork in the road on a lot of things, both personally and professionally right now. And I really, um, I really need discernment and I really need clarity from our Lord on a few things, both personally and professionally. So I'm going to ask for, I'm going to ask prayer for myself. So, amen. There you go.
1: Um, I forgot that I need to give a very quick thank you also to Ryan Taylor, who um, sent me a package of liquid IV for as a life profession gift. And um, I also got cards from other listeners that I'll respond to eventually. Um, But I have lots of thank yous to send. So please be patient. Uh, But Ryan, I wanted you to know that other than a Something that the community ordered on Amazon at one point. Your package is the first that I got addressed to Mother Natalia. And so that
0: nice. Was oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. And I'm, I'm before I give a blessing here at the end. I just wanna, I want to say, and I don't know if there's. I mean, I know that three names that popped up while you were talking, Andrew, about kind of engaging with people that have had their desire awakened, and and being around them makes. Makes that desire increase in us. Um, I want to say, like probably the one, the name that that comes up most often in my life for the past fifteen years, um, as someone who everybody who engages with them emerges wanting to be better and wanting to to learn more about truth, beauty, and goodness is Father Nick Blaha, and and you know he 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 has influenced so many.
2: I mean, I would say that if you'd ask me, give me the short list, give me your short list. Blaha would be on my list too. I mean I mean, I'm literally saying that exact thing at a talk for him on my website, it's like
0: I nice. I just acknowledge it. I agree 100. percent So for listeners of Catholic stuff, my old podcast, like you, this, this is who influenced Father Nathan Goebel immensely. Um And so anyway, Father Nick Blaha, I'm sure you can find him on some social media. The other one, the other two that came popped up were Father Damien Ferrance who I introduced you to Aww. Andrew Bailey, and who, oh, and we were who just Mother like, Natalia knows
2: finishing each him. other's sentences at her yeah. at your life profession banquet. <laughs> afterwards, he introduced me to Father. He, he and, told
1: me we we were talking. Talking this last week, Father Damien and I, and um, and just the most beautiful, edifying conversation he and I have ever had. But he was like, I met some really great people. He was like, I met this guy who starts coffee shops, um, from LA, and Hmm. he was like, I think his name was Andrew, and I was like, Andrew Whitley.
2: Anyways, I loved Father Ferrante. I mean,
0: he is. He
1: gave me he gave me one of the best profession gifts. He gave me a wax seal, which I've wanted for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, He got it in Rome. He got one for Mother Petra and one for myself in our favorite colors. And uh, anyways, I love
0: him so much. And the other two I want to throw out there were just Father Joel Barstadt, who you guys know from our podcast. He's -hmm. also someone that you, you, you meet him once and you have a nice deep conversation and you come out wanting to be better, more of a Renaissance, you know, Christian Renaissance man. He just, he's so knowledgeable and so loving and he, he knows so much about literature and, and everything about the church and everything about just truth, beauty, and goodness. And then also um, Archbishop Chaput, who, who is, is another one who I, every time I left spiritual direction with him, he's now retired Philadelphia or retired official of Philadelphia every time I left spiritual direction with him I just I wanted to be a better priest and a better man like mm. every single time so anyway real quick I know we're going very long but do you guys have any way that comes to mind that you could say here's someone that that, it, that whenever you engage with them I walk away wanting to be a better person and I'll, I'll, I'm i going to throw Sister Mother Natalia into this as well um, I, I was kind of doing present company excluded but I think all of you that are new that are listening to our podcast um, you know this the same thing like the, the way that Mother Natalia um, engages with her relationship with Christ and her relationship with me and her relationship with those, all those she encounters there, you walk away from that of course, feeling loved, but also just wanting to be a better person and a better Christian, you know? So anyway, all of those, Any, anybody else that you two mentioned and you can't, you, yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, the first one that comes to mind is father Boniface Hicks, who mm. we already talked about. Um, he just always makes me want, want to be a better person. Um, Father Matt Courtnick, as well, who you've met Father Michael, um, but he's one of the most just like humble, pure of heart men that I've ever known. Uh, Maggie Zabigan, who works for the Vocations Office in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and she's been on the podcast briefly. Um, uh, oh man, I'm probably forgetting the big ones, but those were the first three who come to mind.
2: Amen. Um, I mean, I'll double down on Joel Barstad you Mm -hmm. come away from a conversation with him and you go hey I want to make you my spiritual father which is exactly what I did so um, I just got the privilege of spending some time with him and Leslie uh, during Mother Natalia's profession I won't exclude present company because you two uh, Mother I don't know you as well but I'm shocked by how much being around you affected me just I, I don't you i i I, i've i've told 30 people this but like for some reason i i showed up and i met mother natalia in person the first time then sister natalia and you jumped up after sending me a funny picture on my way there like when when are you going to get here you know and then you jumped up out of a coffee house or out of the outdoor patio walked over and hugged me and i felt like i was hugging someone that i've known for 20 years Mm-hmm. I felt like I, I'm like I was seeing one of my oldest, dearest friends. It was, there was a a point, there was a, an aspect of which Christ radiates, reality radiates through you, and love radiates through you. That I, I, it, I felt it, and it affected me immediately. And mm-hmm. it's it's been surprising and shocking, and and beautiful. And then from the first time I met Father Michael, we just. Started immediately finishing each other's sentences and just when we get together, we start throwing gasoline on the same fire back and forth. And it, mm-hmm. it makes me want to be a better person and when it makes me want to see Christ, it makes me want reality. Um, I'll definitely double down on Blaha for sure. Uh, the the guy's just incredible. And I mean, I, and, and, and you're talking about global. I mean, I, I just built a coffee house or designed and helped build a coffee house for um, a spiritual son of Blaha's who was Blaha was his focus missionary. <laughs> and now he's a priest too. And when I was talking about discipleship and, you know, you might not even know you're being disciple because it's so seamless and so human, he said that's what Blaha did to me. Huh. He was in discipleship for like two, three years and didn't know that he was in this program yeah. called discipleship because Blaha was so real and human. Another mm-hmm. one that I'd throw out would be um um, obviously, the entire Schneer family.
0: That's I mean, so exactly what I was about to say, Justin and Oak <laughs> Schneer, but the entire family. Yep, all three Yeah, I mean, I mean, more.
2: I when I am ready to just jump off of something, or whatever, I just go to the Schneers' house. I sit down in my spot at the end of the uh, fire pit, and mm-hmm. someone puts a glass of wine in my hand and my goddaughter crawls up on my lap and I end up with like four or five little girls crawling all over me and I walk away going reality is beautiful and this is good and goodness still exists in this world and I want to be a part of it you know just it's, absolutely so I mean I, I got a list I, I tend to collect these people and surround myself with them mm-hmm. you know that's Those why are
1: the I, kind of people you want to surround yourself with yeah, yeah
2: that's why I loved um, meeting Father Ference and meeting uh, Father Boniface uh, your your life. So I was like, oh, I just I just picked up two more. Okay, <laughs> it's like uh, it's so great.
0: Yeah. All right, I'm going to give a blessing. Um Thank you both. Thank you both for the time and, and for, oh, nice uh, for having me. So great. It was good. I may Lord bless all of you and keep you. Cause His face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord. Send you forth into this world um, with the beauty, the joys, but also the crosses of true evangelization, of true friendship and community, belonging, um, a desire to to lose ourselves and give ourselves for the other, and find uh, Jesus Christ in in everybody you encounter. Um, may you be able to surround yourself with with a community that truly awakens your desire and people that you are inspired by, also consoled by, people that become true community where you can be vulnerable and have all the risks that go along with that, that they may continue to inspire you to be more fulfilled in in your membership of the body of Christ, more zealous for the kingdom of God and more open to our Lord's actions in the salvation of your soul. May our Lord bless all of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen human. All right. Love y'all. Thank y'all. Love you. Love you too. Thanks guys. Appreciate it.